64,000 is the median number of words per book. Average person reads about 200 words per minute. Simple math will tell us that is one book in 320 minutes. To accomplish this in seven days, numbers say you would have to read for 45 minutes a day. Don't forget to subscribe. Hit that notification button, like, comment, and share. Enjoy. Hello, and happy day. How does slowing down sound to you today? Would you like to reduce the noise for just a bit? Are you ready to make a choice and decide to listen? My name is Igor S.F. Walker. I'm here to remind people to slow down, to reduce the noise, to walk their lives into a natural flow. Welcome back to the Book of the Week series. Every week as I read another amazing title, I share it with the world. Today we look at The Lessons of History by Will Durant and Ariel Durant. In this video, we ask, is there sense to history? Who writes it and what is written down? Why does it keep repeating? What about our biology and our race, the human race? War, politics, religions, nations, and civilizations, and the resilient human being, especially the one never talked about in the history books. Stick around till the end, and I will share with you a way to explore your own history and why you keep on repeating it, how to find out why you do the things you do, what are the hidden motivators behind the scenes, these innate human needs we're sometimes not even consciously aware of. Is it possible that after all, history has no sense, that it teaches us nothing, and that the immense past was only the weary rehearsal of the mistakes that the future is destined to make on a larger stage and scale? At times, we feel so and a multitude of doubts assail our enterprise. To begin with, do we really know what the past was? What actually happened? Or is history a fable not quite agreed upon? Our knowledge of any past event is always incomplete, probably inaccurate, beclouded by ambivalent evidence and biased historians and perhaps disordered by our own patriotic or religious partisanship. Most history is guessing, and the rest is prejudice. History is a fragment of biology. The life of a man is a portion of the vicissitudes of organisms on land and sea. Sometimes, wandering alone in the woods, on a summer day, we hear or see the movement of hundreds of species flying, leaping, creeping, crawling, and burrowing things. The startled animals, animals scurry away at our coming. The birds scatter. The fish disperse in the brook. Suddenly, we perceive to what a perilous minority we belong on this impartial planet. And for a moment, we feel as these varied denizens clearly do. 
that we are passing interloopers in their natural habitat. Biological lesson of history is that life is a selection in the competition for food or mates or for power. Some organisms succeed and some fail. And in the struggle for existence, some individuals are better equipped than others to meet the test of survival. Inequality is not only natural and inborn, it grows with the complexity of civilization. Hereditary inequalities breed social and artificial inequalities. Some weaknesses in the race theory are obvious. Chinese scholars would remind us that their people created the most enduring civilization in history. Statesmen, inventors, artists, poets, scientists, philosophers, saints from 2000 BC to our own time. A Mexican scholar could point to the lordly structures of Mayan, Aztec, and Incan cultures in pre-Columbian America. A Hindu scholar, while acknowledging Aryan infiltration into North India some 1600 years before Christ, would recall that the black Darvidic peoples of South India produced great builders and poets of their own. The temples of Madras, Madura, and the Trichinopoly are among the most impressive structures on Earth. Even more startling is the towering shrine of the Khmers at the Angkor Wat. History is colorblind, and it can develop a civilization in any favorable environment, under almost any, any skin. Difficulty remains, even if the race theory is confined to the white man, the Semites would recall the civilizations of Babylonia, Assyria, Syria, Palestine, Phoenicia, Carthage, and Islam. The Jews gave the Bible and Christianity to Europe and much of the Quran to Muhammad. The Mohammedans could list the rulers, artists, poets, scientists, and philosophers who conquered and adorned a substantial portion of the white man's world, from Baghdad to Cordoba, while Western Europe groped through the Dark Ages. The ancient cultures of Egypt, Greece, and Rome were evidently the product of geographical opportunity and economic and political development, rather than of racial constitution, and much of their civilization had an oriental source. A knowledge of history may teach us that civilization is a cooperative product, that nearly all peoples have contributed to it. It is our common heritage in debt. And the civilized soul will reveal itself in treating every man or a woman, however lonely, as a representative of one of these creative and contributory groups. Known history shows little alteration in the conduct of mankind. The Greeks of Plato time behaved very much like the French of modern centuries, and the Romans behaved like the English. Means and instrumentalities change, motives and ends remain the same. To act or to rest, to acquire or to give, to fight or to retreat, to seek association or privacy, to mate or reject, to offer or resent parental care.
nor does human nature alter as between classes by and large. The poor have the same impulses as the rich, with only less opportunity or skill to implement them. Nothing as clearer in history than the adoption by the successful rebels of the methods they were accustomed to condemn in the forces they deposed. In every age, men had been dishonest, and governments have been corrupt, probably less now than generally before. Man has never reconciled himself to the Ten Commandments. We must remind ourselves again that history is usually written, and it's quite different from the history as usually lived. The historians record the exceptional, because it is interesting, because it is exceptional. Behind the red facade of war and politics, misfortune and poverty, adultery and divorce, murder and suicide were millions of orderly homes, devoted marriages, men and women kindly and affectionate, troubled and happy with children. Even in recorded history we find so many instances of goodness, even of nobility, that we can forgive, though not forget, the sins. History, according to Karl Marx, is economics in action. The contest among individuals, groups, classes, and states, food, fuel, materials, and economic power, political forms, religious institutions, cultural creations, are all rooted in economic realities. So the Industrial Revolution brought with it democracy, feminism, birth control, socialism, the decline of religion, the loosening of morals, the liberation of literature from dependence upon aristocratic patronage, the replacement of romanticism by realism in fiction, and the economic interpretation of history. The outstanding personalities in these movements were effects, not causes. The man who can manage men, manage the men who can manage only things, and the man who can manage money, manage all. What undermined the experiment? First, high taxes laid upon all to finance a swelling band of governmental employees. Second, conscription of a male in every family to man the armies made necessary by the barbarian invasions. Third, corruption in the bureaucracy. The rich stung by the high taxation of their fortunes and the monopoly of commerce by the government, poured out their resources in a campaign to discredit the new system, to obstruct its enforcement, and to bring it to an end. Since wealth is an order and procedure of production and exchange, rather than accumulation of mostly perishable goods, and is a trust, the credit system, in men of institutions, rather than in the intrinsic value of paper money or checks, violent revolutions do not so much redistribute wealth as destroy it. There may be 
a redivision of the land, but the natural inequality of men soon recreates an inequality of possessions and privileges and raises to power a new minority with essentially the same instincts as the old. The only real revolution is the enlightenment of the mind and the improvement of character. The only real emancipation is individual and the only real revolutionists are philosophers and saints. Democracy is the most difficult of all forms of government as it requires the widest spread of intelligence and we forgot to make ourselves intelligent when we made ourselves sovereign. Education has spread, but intelligence is perpetually retarded by the fertility of the simple. A cynic remarked that you mustn't enthrone ignorance just because there's so much of it. However, ignorance is not long enthroned, for it leads itself to and lends itself to manipulation by the forces that mold public opinion. It may be true, as Lincoln supposed, that you cannot fool all the people all the time, but you can fool enough of them to rule a large country. War is one of the constants of history and has not diminished with civilization or democracy in the last 3,421 years of recorded history. Only 268 have seen no war. We have acknowledged war at present as the ultimate form of competition and natural selection in the human species. Palermos, Pater, Panton said Heraclitus, war or competition is the father of all things, the potent source of ideas, inventions, institutions and states. The causes of war are the same as the causes of competition among individuals, acquisitiveness, pungency, pride, desire for food, land, material, food, fuel, mastery. The state has our instincts without our restraints. States will unite in basic cooperation only when they are in common attacked from without. Perhaps we are now restlessly moving toward that higher plateau of competition. We may make contact with ambitious species on other planets or stars. Soon thereafter, there will be an interplanetary war. Then, and only then, will we of this Earth be one. Nations die. Old religions grow arid or suffer other changes. Resilient man picks up his tools and his arts and moves on, taking his memories with him. If education has dependent and broadened or deepened and broadened those memories, he takes it with him and builds somewhere another home in a new land. He need not begin entirely new, nor make his way without friendly aid. Communication and transportation bind him as in a nourishing placenta with his mother country. Rome imported Greek civilization and transmitted it to Western Europe. America profited from European civilization and prepares to pass it on. 
with a technique of transmission never equaled before. Civilizations are the generations of the racial soul. As life overrides death with reproduction, so an aging culture hands its patrimony down to his heirs across the years and the seas. Since we have admitted no substantial change in man's nature during historic times, all technological advances will have to be written off as merely new means of achieving old ends, the acquisition of goods, the pursuit of one sex by the other, or the same, the overcoming of competition by fighting of wars. One of the discouraging discoveries of our disillusioning century is that science is neutral. It will kill for us as readily as it will heal, and it will destroy more readily than it can build. Science. It seems silly to define progress in terms that would make the average child a higher, more advanced product of life than the adult or the sage. For certainly, the child is the happiest of the three. History is above all else the creation and recording of that heritage. Progress is its increasing abundance, preservation, transmission, and use to those of us who study history not merely as a warning reminder of man's follies and crimes, but also as an encouraging remembrance of generative souls. The past ceases to be a depressing chamber of horrors. It becomes a celestial city, a spacious country of the mind, wherein a thousand saints, statesmen, scientists, poets, artists, musicians, musicians, lovers, lovers and philosophers still live and speak and teach and carve and sing. The historian will not mourn because he can see no meaning in human existence except that which man puts into it. Let it be our pride that we ourselves may put meaning into our lives and sometimes a significance that transcends death. If a man is fortunate, he will, before he dies, gather up as much as he can of his civilized heritage and transmit it to his children and to his final breath. He will be grateful for this inexhaustible legacy, knowing that it is our nourishing mother and our lasting life. And there you have it. Please, do help out. It is easy. Simply like this video so more people can enjoy it. Share it too and spread the word. Leave a comment and share your thoughts. Subscribe to my channel and stay up to date. Link to this book is in the description below, so buy it and read. Never stop learning, especially learning about yourself and nature. So gift yourself by taking the free human needs test on my website and find out what actually motivates you. What innate human need is driving all of your decisions and your behavior. If you feel you are ready to improve your self-awareness, social awareness, self-management, and relationship management even further, do check out my Master of Life Awareness program. The links are in the description below. Thank you. Love and respect.